Welcome to Kingdom Living Ministries, where our vision is knowing God, loving people, and making disciples. We trust this week's message will be a blessing to your life. Enjoy the teaching ministry of KLM. Lord, I thank you, O God, um, that you are alive and well in this place, O God. I thank you, Lord, for um, your presence being uh, experienced, oh God, your presence being felt this morning, oh God. Lord, use me as your vessel, oh God, to be able to bring forth your word, to be able to lead your people, Lord, um, concerning your word. Uh, I thank you, Lord, that your word is true. I thank you, Lord, that your word is infallible. I thank you, Lord, that nothing uh, when challenging the word is ever ever holds its ground, oh God, Lord, but that your word is supreme over all things, God. And so, Lord, it's because of that word, oh God, we can stand on top of it, oh God, and proclaim what it says about us, oh God, and know that what we say is true. So, Lord, lead me this morning um, as, I, as, as, as I lead your people, oh God. Uh, use me simply as a vessel, as an instrument of your word. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. 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 So confession is a big deal, and I'm, I'm going to talk a little bit on that. Um, our salvation itself is based off of a confession. Romans 10, we repeat it every time, you know, most times when we have an altar call that we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ saved us. And simply based off of that, simply based off of the words that we ask you to repeat, not necessarily the words itself has power, I'm not saying that, but because of the truth behind the words that we have people repeat in the prayer, the fact that they believe that Jesus Christ came, died, and resurrected to save them from sin is off of that confession that they give their lives to Christ. Amen? So our very faith in Jesus Christ is based off of confession. Amen? As a matter of fact, let's even backtrack it. This creation of this world was based off of a confession. For when God said, let there be light, light became. When God said, let there be waters in the earth, they became. So our whole faith is surrounded by confession. Now, again, for those who may not have been for the series, we're not talking about this name it, claim it, uh, uh, you know, some of the mess that's been going on. That's not what we're talking about. But we're talking about the power of the words that we have. As a matter of fact, I love a quote that, that uh, Lady Courtney said, is that it's not, it's not that our word has powers, but our power has words. Amen. I think there's a there's a verse in uh, Proverbs 21 that we misquote a lot. I've heard misquote a lot where people say the power of death and life is in our tongues. But if you really read the word, it says death and life is in the power of the tongue. That's a huge difference, because in one sense, you're saying that death and life has power and the tongue is just the vessel by which the power comes. But death and life is a thing. And by the power of the tongue, death and life can, can come. Amen. So meaning there's power in our speech. James has this whole chapter dedicated to the tongue, how it's hard to tame, how it's in a very little part of a ship, in the very, uh, the, the rudder, I'm not a, I'm not a ship, a boat man, but, but the rudder, the very little piece of the boat steers the whole thing. And the same way our tongue steers our whole lives. Why do you think there's so much about this, you know, positive speaking? Even people outside of the faith understand that what we say matters. You go to self-help situations, one of the key things to tell you is to speak positivity. Don't speak negative, because if you speak negative, then you will live negative. So this confession thing isn't unique to the Christian faith. Even the world knows that what we speak matters. It's not no magic trick. It's not, I'm not telling you this, that if you say, hey, I'm going to have a million dollars, and when you get home, you're going to have a million dollars in your bank. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is that when you speak things over your life, they come to pass. Our very salvation. One of the key things I, I, I read is that 
When we come and we come to the altar and we give our lives to Christ, God didn't save us in that moment. Understand that? God saved us 2,000 years ago on the cross. The, the job was done. All he was waiting on us was us to confess to the truth that was already existing. So it wasn't that God now saves us individually. Like you got saved three years ago, that's when he saved you individually. Then someone else got saved last Sunday, then that's when he gave... No, the salvation was already prepared. It was our confessing to it that allowed us to accept it. Amen? And so our confession is very key to our faith. It's even the foundation of our faith. So through the confession, through, when we confess, we confess based off of the word of God. We don't make up stuff and sign God's name to it. That's the problem. A lot of people forging God's signature on contracts he had nothing to do with. God, you told me you was going to give me the bends. God, you told me you would give me that person, even though that person is someone else's person. No, I'm speaking to somebody. But we sign God's name off of these confessions that we make. But God is saying, confess what I've already said. God holds, uh, I, always, I, keep, I need to look up this verse because I, I quote the verse a lot, but I, I always say I forget where exactly where it's at. So I need, that's my homework for this week. But the, the, the psalm where it starts out, it says that God holds his word over his very name. Miles Monroe, one of the first sermons I heard by him, he said that God uh, uh, limits himself to what he says. That's why God doesn't speak what he doesn't mean. He says what he means and he means what he says. He doesn't just say anything. Uh, the, the song that we sang a few weeks ago, uh, So Will I, a uh, part of the verse which, which just resounds with me, is that no syllable is null and void when God speaks. And when he speaks, a billion creatures catch his breath. They, they follow. When he was standing there in Genesis, when we read the account, that when he spoke, everything obeyed his word. So when he speaks, he holds it true. When he makes a promise, it's yay and amen. It's us. Who may be unfaithful in our promises. The word says in Numbers, it says that God is not a man that he should lie. And I love the second part. That God is not a son of man that he will change his mind. <laughs> so even when he speaks, he doesn't just speak based off of his, the current circumstances. Remember that God is not held into time. God created time. So God stands outside of time. So when he says something's going to come to pass, he knows all the things that are unexpected to us are expected from him. So when he says that you will receive what you will receive, he knows it's going to get a little worse before it gets better. So when it gets a little worse, it's not go back to God. God, do you still look, look at the situation now and tell me if the promise still stands? He says, listen, I saw the situation before the situation even became. And when I made the promise, it was based off of the situation that you have now. So when God speaks, number one is that he doesn't waste his words. And number two, he knows what he's talking about. And so now all he's telling you is to echo his words. Speak what I've already spoken and you know you're speaking truth. Before we even go into the scriptures, we need to get to the point where we understand that the word is true. Now, if we don't believe that, that's a whole nother sermon. It's a whole nother conversation and a whole nother sermon. But we know that the word is true. Second, uh, let me run to that real quick. Second Timothy 3 verse 16. Because we have to believe that what we're saying is true, and we have to have faith behind the words that we say. James says that a man that doubts his words, that doubt is like a, a, um, is like a ship uh, without a sail, going to and fro. You know, he says a double-minded man is, is, is unstable in all his ways. So, I meaning you can say something, but if you don't believe it, it means nothing. 
2 Timothy uh, 3.16. It says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So this scripture is spoken by God. The Holy Spirit is the one that inspired the writers to write it. This scripture is infallible. Amen. The scripture is true. The word of God is true. So when we speak out of the word of God, we understand that what we're saying is truth. Amen. Amen. And so I, this, this morning, I want to go through some scriptures uh, because it, it, we have to first understand who we are. In Christ, in him. When I say in him, of course, I'm speaking of in Christ. Um, because there's some truths and some things that we have to realize who we are. There's some truth. Like, th th there's different situations in different places in life that we have here. You know, we sit next to people that are in different mindsets. We even are some of those who are married couples who are sitting next to each other. Still, even in that context, there's still there's different mindsets, there's different passions, there's different things that's going on. But there are some truths that are universal to all believers. Amen. And so that's what we want to go through today. So we want to talk about in him who we are, in him who we have, and because of who we are and what we have, in him what we are capable of doing. Amen? Amen. Amen. So we're going to go through some scriptures. We're going to be Bible surfing. Oh, Y'all think I really, I Bible surf is on, this Bible surf on the regular, we're going to Bible surf to date. And what I want you guys to do is really highlight, write down, jot down these words because I, 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 my aim this morning is for us to have fuel to our fire. So I'm providing the gasoline. And it, it, it's, it's up to us that outside of this context right now that we continue and practice what we're going to do this morning. Amen? Amen. You know, kind of like you got to rev the engine up and then you got to keep it going, the kind of situation. This morning, we're going to rev the engine up. You know, we've been talking about confessing, we've been talking about how great confessing is, how important confession is, but this morning we're going to have an opportunity as a church, as a family, to confess the truths of God about who we are, what we have, and what we can do. Amen? So because we are saved, so, so we know we've been saved. Amen? How many know that we've been saved? I believe everybody here has, 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 uh, has been saved. So one of the things that I've realized, though, is that sometimes we're misconstrued about our positioning in God. And what I mean by that is sometimes I've seen people who have been saved, who are, who are saved, but still feel like, they gotta, like they've got to earn their salvation from God. What does that look like? So that looks like when you do something wrong, you automatically think that you're unworthy of all that God has given you. Can I say something? That even when you were doing everything that was right, you were still unworthy of all that God has given you? Nothing that we have done has earned God's love, and so nothing that we can do can lose God's love. All right, this is, this is a scripture I wasn't planning on going to, but the Lord. Romans 8. I believe, I believe we, want, we want to hear this, and I, it goes right in line with that, but I didn't have this plan. Romans 8, starting at verse 31. We have it say amen. Romans chapter 8, verse 31. Amen. And I'll be reading, of course, from the ESV, uh, ESV. It says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? 
He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, who, how will he not also with them graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to the slaughter. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, not, not anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. So if you came here not knowing whether you have God's love this morning because of what you did last week, let me let you know that nothing, I love the fact that Paul leaves no room, because after he gives a couple of examples, he says, and anything, in verse 39, nor anything else in all creation. Well, I understand all the outside stuff, but what if I can't, I separate, you're anything else in all creation. What we did not earn, we cannot lose, because God gives it freely to us, those who put their faith in Christ Jesus. Jesus Christ has purchased God's the reconciliation between us and God. Romans 5 talks about it. And we'll touch on that later. So understand that God's love is not dependent on our actions. Are, are y'all with me? Because we can never. Isaiah says that our efforts at righteousness are as filthy rags. I know we got we got kidney kids. So I can go a little bit. So so the translation of filthy rags. It's not the, the little stuff that you clean up, you wash off the, uh, the dishes with in the kitchen. But filthy rags, they use menstrual cloths. It's disgusting, right? But our own efforts at righteousness, in our own power, only come to that. That's why Jesus Christ had to die on the cross to be righteous for us. 2 Corinthians 5.21, and I guess I'll start right there, says, For he who knew no sin became sin, so that we can know the righteousness of God. We can't be righteous without Christ, but we are righteous because of Christ. I don't want to stay on the negative side of what we can't do without Christ. What I'm going to tell you is where we are because of Christ. So repeat with me. Because of Christ, because of Christ I, am I am righteous. I am in right standing, in right standing with, the with the true and living God. When God sees me, God sees he sees Christ. So because we've been saved, we are righteous. We don't have to try to be righteous. Now, I'm not trying to give you liberty to do whatever you want. That's not what I'm saying. Because out of a true heart, that a genuine heart that loves God, you're not going to want to sin. Are you with me? I love Paul, and I always quote this back to how in the transition from Romans 5 to Romans 6, whereas Romans 5 is talking about where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. So meaning the more that there is sin, the more that is the opportunity for grace to be shown, right? 
But Paul knew his readers. I love Paul. Paul probably was one of my my favorite writers. Period. Like I'm talking about over authors that we see in Barnes and Noble, all of them, because he he thinks about the the readers' mind. Because then then I mean he didn't write. Of course he didn't. You know, for those who don't know that the chapters and verses were chopped up uh, in order for us to be easier to read later on, not from the original writers. But I love how they cut it because right in the beginning of Romans six it says, "So what shall we say then?" Since where sin abounds much more, grace abounds much, so we sin the more, so that way grace can abound? No, not so, because we're no longer slaves to sin. So he cuts it right, right there. Before you start thinking you can go all out in order for grace to be shown, I'm going to stop you in your tracks. Because the fact, if you still desire to wild out, you might want to check where your heart resides. So I'm not giving a license to do whatever you want because love is free. God, love from God is free. No. But what I'm saying is, when we do slip and fall, because guess what? We're still in this flesh. We've been freed from the penalty of sin, but we still are dealing with the power of sin. Amen? So there are going to be times where you fall. But I love where I believe it's Psalm 103 where God says, I remember the dust from which you came. I know your frailties. I know your weaknesses. And, and you know the beautiful thing about it and, uh, is that we're adopted, Right? Uh, Ephesians 1 says that we have been adopted as sons and daughters, but sons, the reason why it's used as sons is because sons were naturally the, the, the ones that inherited. So it doesn't mean that just guys, all right, ladies, y'all are included, amen? But we are adopted as sons in Ephesians 1, 5, and the importance of adoption is this. When, when, when you know, for those who have children, when you guys, had, you know, were, were having children, you didn't have a say on what color eyes. They could have came out with some hazel eyes, and none of you, and you don't know who in your family had hazel eyes. So your great 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 grandmother from all the way back had hazel eyes, and all of a sudden your child has hazel eyes. You had no say of the texture of their hair. You had no say of the color of their hair. You had no say of anything. It was just pretty much, Lord, I am happy with whatever you give me. You know, I'm looking at Sister Liche, who was expecting. We thank God for that. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm happy. Um, so we, we had no, we have no say in that, right? So whatever the Lord gives me is, you know, we, we will love and we will accept, we will nourish, we will do everything we can as parents because we love that child. But when it comes to adoption, you have a little bit more of a choice. You know what? I did the diaper thing and I ain't with it. I want a potty trained child. You know what? And I heard how hard it is in, in, in this country. So you know what? I want a child from this country. Yeah, I came to the adoption agency. That one's a little too hyper. I'm going to get the one that's cool and mellow that's reading the book in the corner. And so you know, for the most part, for the, for the sake of this analogy, you know what you're getting into. Are y'all with me? You've observed. You've watched. You, you kind of ch choose, chosen your options. And so when you sign that dotted line, you know what you're getting into. Woo! When God, because when we, we were born, we were created, and we, we sinned and we, went out, we were out of the family, right? I, I believe I've explained this before. When we sinned, it kicked us out of the family. Because God knows no sin. And so the D sin is not in the DNA of God. Once sin entered our DNA, we are no longer the family of God. But thanks be to God, by the blood of Jesus Christ, he adopted us back. What am I saying? He knew what he was getting into when he signed that dotted line. As a matter of fact, he didn't sign it with just any regular ink. He signed, with, signed it with the blood of his only obedient son. So understand that when he adopted you back in his family, your frailties, your weaknesses, your, your tendencies, he understands that. That doesn't mean to stay in them, but what he's saying is, I'm not surprised. Because I observed, I, I created you. I know your frailties. I know your weaknesses. And so when I signed that line, I didn't want to perfect, perfect you because that didn't exist. 
I'm going to be the one that makes you perfect. I'm going to be the one that deals with your temper. I'm going to be the one that deals with your, with your, uh, your addictions. I'm going to be the one that deals with, with your, your, your anger and your, and, 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 and your lust and, your, and your, all those things about you that you feel like I won't accept. When I signed the dotted line with my only perfect and obedient son, I knew that was in you. It doesn't surprise me. So if you ever feel like your weaknesses separate you from God, God is saying, listen, you're separating yourself from me. For his promise is that he would never leave nor forsake us. This wasn't even this wasn't even the path, but that's another confession. Because I am righteous. Repeat after me. Because I am righteous. God would never leave nor forsake me. He loves you. With an everlasting love. And that love is experienced because of Jesus Christ. So in Christ, we experience God's love. Amen? Amen. Let me see if I can go back on track now. <laughs> but I believe that was, that, was, that was for somebody this morning. So let's go. So we talked about 2 Corinthians 5.21. It says, he who knew no sin uh, became sin so that we can be the righteousness of God. Amen? So because Christ took on sin, we, be, we took on his righteousness. Amen? Turn with me to Romans 3, verses 21 and 24. Romans 3, verses 21 and 24. And again, highlight them, take note of them, um, especially anything that jumps out to you, that speaks to you. Um, things that you want to be reminded of in those tough times. Because you may be at a good point right now, but you want to prepare for the tough times. Because they will come. They will come. Uh, my, my friend uh, T. Wise always says that. He says, when you got money in the bank, that's when you save something to the side. Because it's going to come a point where you ain't going to make that much money. You want to go to that ATM and, not, and then not say insufficient funds. It's the same way in the word. When we're on our good points, don't forsake the word and be like, I'm good. Because it's going to come a time. That we will be walking through the valley of the shadow of death. And we need to not fear any evil for he's with me. And we only know that he's with me from his word. Amen. Amen. Romans 3 verse 21 and 24. It says, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So we know, we've heard Romans 3 from 23 probably plenty of times. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Many of us have probably used that as an excuse when we fall in and somebody try to judge us. For all have sinned. That's when we get the, beat, the preacher voice. And fallen short. Hey, so don't judge me, brother. Because you also are included. But the point of this is, is that although we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God... We are also, I love it, that is, and are justified. So the same people who are talking about falling short of the glory of God, they also are justified by his grace as a gift. Not as wages. The only time we hear wages is for the wages of sin is death. That's what we earned. But as a gift, he's given us justification. Justification means, and, and, and you know, a little uh, twist on it, is just as if you never sinned. Right? 
So justification means that although you've been in a position, somebody has taken that position. So when we're standing before, when we that great judgment day that we always talk about comes, and you know, we've been, some people take it as a concept, well, I gotta do good because on judgment day, I wanna even make sure. No, 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 that's not the point. When you really understand the gospel, you understand at this point that when you stand before the judge, those who are found in Christ, when he opens that file, it's not going to be the file of Alan Jean. It's not going to be the file of Alfred from Touching. It's not going to be the file. You know we're going to throw that in every sermon now. It's not going to be a file from Trey Tucker. It's not going to be a file. It's going to be a file of Jesus Christ because you're covered in his garment. Because at, on 2,000 years ago, Christ stole your file away and went before the judge and says, put me in the jail. Woo! He took the sentence for us. So that way now it's been switched. And when we stand before the judge, he doesn't look at our personal file. He looks at the file of Christ who we've accepted because we're found in him. Thank you, Jesus. So justification has been given to us as a gift. We didn't deserve it. Parents, how many times are you giving kids because birthday rolled around, Christmas rolled around, and your kids has been a monster the whole year. But because it's birthday, as a gift, I'm going to still give you that present. They don't have to deserve it. It's a gift. It's not something that, yo, you know, you got gold stars, so, you know, because you got five gold stars, you earn that. You, got, you, you work for those five gold stars. But even when you've been a terror, when you still get some, that's a gift. For while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, Romans 5, 8. He didn't wait for us to act well. He didn't say, let me see your potential and let me see what you, we can work with. No, no, no. While you're in your mess, and let, let's add another one. While you were loving your mess. Woo! Let's be real. Some of us loved our mess. Thank God for changed hearts now. We've seen the sin and now our, our hearts are changing. Thank God. But we, some of us loved our mess. But while we were yet sinners, he already provided the way out. So when he, when he made that work in your heart and you started to realize your taste buds started changing, your mind started changing, and those things that you loved once, all of a sudden they weren't satisfying anymore. And what he's already supplied away was, while you were yet sinners, while you weren't paying attention to him right behind you, while, before you, while, while, while you weren't watching, he provided a door behind you. That way when you turned around from what you were, were you have somewhere to go, which is to the cross. And to receive his gift of justification. Amen. Amen. So read unto me, I am justified, I am justified. As, a as a gift from God. From God. I, am I am justified as a gift, as a gift. From, God. from God. Amen, amen, amen. We're working at 16%. We're getting there. We're getting there. Amen, amen. The, the phone is still here. The phone is still here. <laughs> Romans 5.1. Romans 5.1. Again, we're just talking about who we are in Christ. We are righteous. We are justified in Christ. And that's the key point. I, I, I hope I don't, I don't keep missing. The, all these truths are in Christ. So again, I pray, I believe that everyone here is found in Christ. But these truths are, real, are only realities to us when we're found in Christ. In ourselves, these truths are not real. In ourselves, we can't be righteous. In ourselves, we can't be justified. We can't do this thing on our own. That's why Christ had to come and die on the cross in order for these realities to be reality to us. Romans 5 verse 1. And it reads, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, they go to justified again, by faith we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Repeat after me, because I'm justified, I have peace with God. Now understand that it's not peace of God. That's later. 
I, I, we have peace with God. Because again, later on, it says that we were once enemies of God. Remember when we were yet sinners, when we were loving our sin? Guess what? Guess what position we were? We're enemies. So when God tells us to love our enemies, it's not something that he just says out the he, he by experience. Because I, I loved my enemy. And who, who was your enemy? God, you. Because we were once enemies. And I, I, listen, I, I'll bring y'all straight to it. Uh, verse... Verse 9. Thank you. Since 10. 10. For if we, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God. As a matter of fact, I think that was one, one of my next ones. Well, we, it's going to lead right into it. So, verse 10. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. We were enemies of God. And yet he chose to justify us as a gift. Verse 11, more than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Repeat after me. I have been reconciled reconciled to the Father Father through Jesus Christ. Christ. Now you have access to the Father because of what Christ did. A beautiful picture of it is when Christ died. And I, I, I think for those who were here when the truth came, so y'all actually heard it. I was, I was going to quote him, but y'all actually received it. But I'm going to still quote him. But uh, there, there's, there, so, so all the events that happened when Christ died, the earthquake, the darkness and all that, are even by people who, who don't like Christianity, who trying to refute Christianity, still attest to those events happening. I forget the, the gentleman's name. I have it in my notes. But the, there's a gentleman who was trying to refute Christianity who didn't say that those things didn't happen, but his point was to say that it had nothing to do with Jesus Christ. Are you with me? So he validated that those things happened on that night, but what he was saying is, ah, the two didn't connect. So thank you, sir, because now I know all these events happened. Earthquakes happened, people came out the grave, and all the darkness happened. Are you telling me all these things happened? You're just trying to tell me it had nothing to do with Jesus Christ. That's all I needed to hear. I believe the word. It was Jesus Christ. You validated the, 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 the 70%. I'll take the 30%, and I'm good. So what I'm saying is, so and one of the events that happened was in the temple. So in, in the temple, there was a, a thick curtain that separated the second uh, section from the third, which is called the Holy of Holies. And that was where uh, the presence of God uh, resided. And so there were, it was once a year that a priest would go, on, go in there. And first they had to be, uh, um, uh, there was a whole ceremony to cleanse them in order to be able to enter that place. To the point where that they had to tie themselves with strings, with bells. And so someone would hold on to the string. And so if the bell stopped ringing, then they knew that that person died. Because if they were not counted as holy, because God's presence was so strong, they would die. It's crazy. I know it's, it's harsh, but it, 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 was, it was a picture of the holiness of God to take seriously. Don't come in there doing our mess. See, God's kindness is really raining here because we walk in the place of God, and all of us, I'm saying, at different degrees, but all of us walk in here with our mess, and God is like, I love you. I'm going to deal with that, but don't stay there. But there was a point where God had to define what his holiness was, and I need you to know how serious I take my holiness. And so that was one of the things. And so that place was, was considered off apart. Not anybody could go through there. Only the priests, when the people of, of, of Israel would come and with their sacrifices, then that priest would take the sacrifice and represent them in there. And so when Christ died, the veil was torn, but it's, it's very specific on how it was torn. It was torn from the top to the bottom. 
What does that mean? That God now has initiated a direct relationship with himself. That veil that once separated is now torn. And it wasn't man that tore the veil. It was God that tore the veil. And so now we are reconciled to the father because of the death of his son, Jesus Christ. That's why we don't got to go in the little cubby hole with the priest anymore. He can't, he can't, yeah, listen, I was trying that. you gave me the palm tree, I'm sorry, Ashley is the queen of shade, and I, had the, I brought the palm tree up here. But, not, I mean, no shade to, to those who, listen, I, but the, the word says that Jesus is our mediator. We don't go to another man in order to get to God. Those days are over, because when Christ came, he reconciled us to the Father. So now, guess what, we can go in the name of Jesus and go before the Father ourselves. Because his job was never done. When he, died, when he rose up and, and ascended, it's not, Jesus ain't taking the vacation. He's still working for us. He's still sitting on the right hand of the Father interceding for us. That's why when we signed that, listen, and he gave us the, you know how uh, in business, you know, the, you got, your people get the stamp of their signatures. And so the secretaries can now just stamp a, a contract and it goes in on behalf of that person. And so Christ was like, I'm leaving, but let me give y'all this stamp real quick. So that way, when y'all talk to the father, just stamp the prayer with my name. And that way he, he'll accept it because it's in the name of Jesus. And so all of my righteousness, all of my perfection and all the eternity that I spent in obedience to him will be marked on your prayer. And he will hear your prayer and he will answer according to his will. Amen. Romans 5, verse 15, same chapter, down a couple of verses, a few verses. But the free gift is not like the trespass, for if many died through one's man, one man's trespass, much more had the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. Again, just further, further uh, talking about the gift of grace, the gift of justification that came through Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. I told y'all we're going we gonna to be moving. And again, I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep reminding you, highlight, write down, jot down, take notes. Make your own confessions based off of these things. You know, even if my verbatim may not match to yours, say it in your language, say it in your way. Based on the truth of what you read from the scriptures, who you are. Amen? First, yeah, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, yeah, I'm not on the right page. That's why. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Again, we are found in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God. So we have wisdom from God because we're in Christ Jesus. Because I'm in Christ Jesus, I have wisdom from God. Amen. At James, I believe uh, maybe a few months ago, I, I did uh, I, I preached a sermon here on godly wisdom, and that godly wisdom is eternal. As a matter of fact, it says in 1 Corinthians later on, it said, or probably, probably right before this, but it says that the, the uh, foolishness of God is wiser than the wisdom of man. So at the bottom level of God's wisdom is way smarter than the top level of man. But, and we have access to this wisdom from Jesus Christ because we're found in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 and 19.
We're, we're, we're establishing where we stand and who we are in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17 and 19. And it says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, who's in Christ? So you're anyone, right? So we're all anyone. Anybody who's sitting here is in anyone. So if you, us who are in Christ, we are a new creation. Say, I'm a new creation because I'm in Christ. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Oh, yeah, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't mean for y'all to repeat that. But, uh, jump down to 19. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting the trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Here, again, is two of the points we've been talking about. Number one, reconciliation. And number two, the justification, that he doesn't count our trespasses against us. He doesn't count your past against you. He knows that he throws his, our sins into the sea of forgetfulness. When I forg- God is saying, when I forgive you, I forgive you. I'm not flawed like you where you hold grudges. I understand and we'll work through that. But when it comes to me, speaking of God, I don't, I don't hold grudges. When I say I forgive you, I forgive you. Point blank, period. He takes where sin had left the crimson stain and makes it white as snow. Meaning that there is no marks, there's no, you know how you take a shirt and you could clean, try to clean off the stain, but there's always that little tint of that different color on that. The, the God, when God, listen, he got that Clorox bleach that is like real bleach. And he washes those stains off and makes you look fresh, new. Back to 17, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Amen. John 3.16, a very familiar, and I don't even have to jump to that real quick, but y'all can jump to that, y'all can highlight it, y'all can take notes. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Because I believe in Christ, I will not perish, but I will have everlasting life. I think we get so familiar with this verse. When, it, when I was studying this, I was like, oh, this, there's a lot in here. I, I got so familiar with this verse, I didn't realize the depth of the truths that are in there. That because I believe in Christ, I'm not going to die, but I will have everlasting life. And I'm speaking about death as far as separation from God. That's what I'm speaking of. These bodies will go, but we will still live on. And that's because we're in Jesus Christ. A few more verses. Ephesians 1, verse 4. Ephesians 1, verse 4. And it says, Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. Say, God chose me to be holy and blameless before him. Whoa, Alan. Uh... I don't know how to be holy and blameless. I don't know how to be pretty much what it sounds like perfect. But God is the one that empowers you to be holy and blameless. He's the one that washes you. He's the one that cleanses you if you allow him. See, a lot of us are like, God is saying, listen, let me clean you. Oh, God, I got it. I got it. I know how to do this. Don't worry about it. Don't worry. I know how to do this. I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop smoking. I'm going to stop drinking. I'm going to stop doing this, that, and the third. And I'm going to come back to you and we're going to be good. God said, no, 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 because even if you stop that, your heart is still dirty. Mm-hmm. 
Only I can reach to the deepest parts. Imagine, like, all right, go back to parenting. And this, of course, I don't have kids, so, so this is from my childhood. Like, you know, you have that child that, that wants to take the bath by himself, but he's going to miss that part of their back that they're always going to miss. And they, even every time, listen, let me watch. No, 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 mom, I got it. I got it. They, 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 don't, they keep missing that spot. That's how we are. We think we clean, but we keep missing that spot. It's not until we submit and we allow the Father to clean us that we're eight, he's able to make us 100% clean. Amen. It's a lot of parents in analogies this this morning. Huh? There is, what? It wasn't even shade in that comment. I'm just saying. I just I was just noticing the, the way the Holy Spirit was working this morning. Philippians three verse nine. Yo. Philippians three verse nine. Is this helping you guys? Amen. Philippians 3, verse 9. And it says, And be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own, that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Again, Paul is saying, I don't have a righteousness that I made up myself, but I have a righteousness from God that was given to me by faith, not by works. It's not because I, I obeyed every single letter of the law, because I can't. There's no, it's, not, it's not possible. Let me tell you all this real quick. Two seconds, and I'm going to get right back, because I don't want to spend too much time on this. But the law was never made in, in hopes that people would actually be able to completely follow it. And I believe it's in Galatians. The law was simply... I, I, uh, Paul, I remember reading through this, because you know PD had uh, uh, me and Cleve read through the whole Bible three times, um, which... Uh, which actually was a blessing, though. And, and it was key, because if we're sitting here and we're supposed to be trusted to preach the word of God, we need to know the word of God. Amen? Uh, but part of that was I began to realize and, and notice certain parts of the scripture that I didn't notice before. And I believe it's Galatians where Paul makes the analogy that the law was the guardian until the parent of salvation came to pick up the child. Ooh. So the law was never meant to be the permanent parent of us. The law was never meant in order for us to follow and we'd be good. The law was just to show you, ah, you don't have it all together. Because if you didn't have a standard to go by, you would never know what standard to hold yourself to. And so once you realize, I keep missing this one, this two, this three stuff. I could get this other seven or this, uh, you know, there's more than 10, but I could get like about 85% of it done, but this 15% is an issue. And I know that God only accepts 100%, so I just keep falling short. He says, I want you to realize that. Go ahead, tell me. You, fall, you keep falling short, right? All fall short of the glory of God, right? Yeah, you can't, you can't do it on your own. This is God. You can't do it on his own, right? Great, 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 great. Because the more you realize you can't do it on your own, now when I provide my son, you realize you need him. Because if you think you got it all together, you won't need Christ. If you think you got it all together, there was no need for the, for, for the blood on the cross. But he had to make us realize that we're not perfect. Because leave it to us, we'll make ourselves perfect our own, on our own standards. Leave it to us. We won't understand the expectations of the God who created this world. Leave it to us that we will make our own set of rules and regulations that adhere to us to make us look perfect. We see it on a daily day basis. We see that person who doesn't do anything they're supposed to do at work. But for them, they're the best employee. For real. You tell somebody, yo, you're late. At least I, was, at least I wasn't late, as late as Johnny. That's not the standard we're going by. 
But we're supposed to start at 1 o'clock. Just because Johnny comes at 1.30 and you came at 1.15 doesn't mean you're early. I'm Haitian. I'm sorry. We deal with this all the time. Uh, listen, I know the CP time and then the CP plus Haitian P uh, time. Uh, listen, oh, I, I, they didn't even start yet. They didn't even start yet. I'm early. No, that's not the standard by which we go to. So God had to say, listen, I need you here at 6 o'clock. And every time we kept making that, we kept, we, for some reason, we always missed it. And so it's not until he realized, I need Christ. Christ is the one that stands in the gap and fills it for me. So God, Christ is the one that makes me perfect. I cannot attain this righteousness that God, God demands of me. Because God, here's the beauty, because we could talk about this one truth, and if I leave it alone, it sounds like God is this unjust God. God demands perfection. He demands it. So, so I can stand on this side, and some people can leave here like, yo, this God is expecting too much. But guess what? God provides perfection. What he demands, he provides. So it's not like he just sits there, you got to be perfect and walk away, figure it out. And when I come back, you need to get it together. No, no, no. I know you can't figure it out. Matter of fact, I'm going to make sure you know. I'm going to put the mirror before you to see how foggy it is. And then I'm going to provide my son in order to fill the gaps where you can't make. Amen. Last one, Galatians 2.16 for this one. Galatians 2, verse 16, about who we are in Christ. And it says, yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. Again, still repeating what we've been saying, and I don't need to go that much deep into it because we've been, we've been milking this thing out. That we are justified not by our own works, but by faith in Christ. So, because of Christ, we are found righteous, right? So, because we're righteous, we are able to receive what God has for us. Amen? So, we're about to go through some scriptures. Uh, listen, now we, we only like a third way done. We, we, almost, we almost there. We almost there. Because now that we know who we are and where we stand, we understand that we, God has put us in a position to deserve, not to, hear me, hear me out, to receive what he's, what he's given us. Because if we don't know where we stand, then we don't think that we're worthy to receive what we have, right? So there's, there's, a, there's a journey we're taking, right? So, all right, so Ephesians 1, verse 13 and 14. So in Christ, we can have everything that, that God has promised to us. Because once we, once we fix the identity thing and where we are in Christ, then we can fix where we stand as far as receiving his blessings. Because that's usually where it kicks off. If we think we're not good enough, then we don't think that we're able to receive it. So some of us are living in phases of our lives where we feel like we did something or God sees us in such a way that we deserve the bad things that are happening to us. So once now we fix and we realize, oh, God sees me in perfection because I'm covered by Christ. Okay, so since he sees me in perfection, then, I should, and then that naturally means I receive the blessings of one who is perfect. Amen? Amen. Are with me. Walk with me. Ephesians 1 verse 13 to 14. It says, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Two things I want to sit out here. Because we are found in Christ, and because we are found righteous, we have received the Holy Spirit. So meaning we have God living in us. Amen? And then not only that, it is a guarantee, he is the guarantee he is a guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it. 
So some of the stuff that we're going to talk about receiving is not necessarily stuff we're going to receive in this life alone. Because remember, we're living for more than this life. I know sometimes we lose the track. I know sometimes we don't really dwell on this too much. But remember that our mission here at KLM is to prepare people for eternity. So there's an, there's an eternal, eternal life that we're living towards. This, this temporal life right now is for just for a certain amount of time. And what we're trying to do is to live it to his glory so that way more people can understand what eternity means and they can join us in eternity. But there is a life past this one that we are living for. Amen? That's why we can endure hard times because this, this, this is not forever. Amen? So there is an inheritance that we are to receive, and the whole, receiving of the Holy Spirit is, a, is a, like a down payment. So when you go to get that $40,000 car and you only gave them $5,000, it's because by giving the $5,000, they're like, okay, you're serious about paying the rest of this money. Amen? So our down payment gives the person we're, we're getting it from that they're, 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 the rest is coming. It's on its way. So when the, we receive the Holy Spirit, God, God is saying that is just to let you know that there is more on the way. Amen? So that's Ephesians 1, verse 13 and 14. Ephesians 3, verse 6. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. We are co-heirs. Like, it's not like Jesus has his, has his inheritance and then we have an heir. The Bible says because of we're found in Christ, we receive the inheritance that Jesus Christ receives. That's crazy. The perfect, obedient, holy son. Because he's made us holy. We are co-heirs with him. We receive the same inheritance as the, the, the true, capital S, son of God. Because we are found as righteous as he is. Woo! There's not a degree of righteousness that's less than, because if there's a degree less than righteousness, it's no longer righteous. So our righteousness matches the righteousness of Jesus Christ, and especially because it's his righteousness that he gave to us. So the inheritance that he receives from the Father is the inheritance that we receive. So everything that Jesus Christ has, that's why Jesus Christ is what came to be the supreme example, not the exception. So everything he did, we can do. <laughs> can our faith stretch to that? Can we look at the mountain and say, be moved and have that much faith? Can we look at someone blind and, and, and lay hands on them and that they can receive sight? Can we look at the lame and out of faith speak them into walking? Can we look at our, our, what we see as our lack and speak the truth over it and see the provision coming? The same way he took the two fish and five loaves and fed the multitudes, what you see with your eyes will do more than you think it can, if you have the faith. Next scripture, Philippians 3, verse 13 and 14. Philippians 3, verse 13 and 14. And it reads, brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting, one, but one thing I do, we, we, we fixed the clock back there? All right, because I was a little off. I was like, wait, is it 1239? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I got a little distracted. I'm sorry. Uh, brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. 
But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. There is a prize to be received. There is a prize to be received, and that's only because we're in Christ Jesus. Otherwise, we're living our life for nothing. But Paul is saying that I have pressed on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call. So, so there is, a, there is a, a gift of God that we have received because it's a gift that, that outside of our own. But then also, we, are, we will be rewarded for our works while we're here, our works that are, are to Christ. First Corinthians 3 talks about how we will be judged by the fire and depending on what our mater- the material of our works on this earth is, is based off of what we receive in heaven. So there are degrees, and I'll wait for PD to come and really preach that in detail for y'all. So there is, a re- there is what we receive by gift, which is salvation, and then because of our works, there is rewards that we will receive in, in eternity. And what, what Paul is saying is that I press on towards the mark to receive the goal of the prize that's set before me. So even, but still, we would not have access to that prize if we first didn't receive Christ. So it still lacks back to the gift that was given to us without our merit. We wouldn't even be in the race if it wasn't for the, for the gift of God, which is justification. Amen. Philippians 4, verse 19. Another verse that we're probably, we're probably familiar with. And my God ha, will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory of Christ Jesus. Every single need you have, he will supply. Every single need he, you have, he will supply. David said, for I was young and now I'm old, and I have never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. I believe it was Deuteronomy says that we are the head and not the tail, above and not beneath, the lender and not the borrower. You may feel like the lender right now, but you're not. You may feel like you're beneath, but you're not. You may feel like you're the tail, but you're not. Do not let your feelings cancel what you know. The Lord has been wrestling with my heart this whole week about that. Do not allow your feelings to cancel out what you know. You may feel a way, but that may not be the truth. And that's where the confessions come in. That's how we cancel out our feelings. We may feel like we're in lack and we have no provision, but we know that he is our provider. So you know what we do? We turn to our feelings and we tell our feelings who our God is. Because the truth trumps our feelings every single time. Philemon 1 verse 6 I know we probably hardly get to this book it's a very short book I think it's in one chapter only or like two so you might miss it but for those who have physical I might miss it with the physical Philemon 1 verse 6, and it says, And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. So we have these good things in us because of Christ. And they become effective through the sharing of our faith. So we have these good things in us. We have the Holy Spirit in us. We have, we have uh, uh, every need that is supplied. 
Everything that God has promised, we have. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4. First Corinthians 1 4 says, I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus. We have the grace of God because we're in Christ Jesus. Undeserved favor. What does that mean? How does that apply? That means that that favor, when you walk into that job that you didn't even ask when they give it to you, that's his undeserved favor. When you when you realize when you go to the bank and you had that extra money that you didn't even realize you had, that's undeserved favor. When that person who didn't who would seem like they didn't even care about you, when they had something good to give, they chose you to give it to, that's undeserved favor. That's the grace of God. When you walked into a position that you didn't know that how to do the things and all of a sudden it became easy to you, that's the grace of God. When you walk into a place that somebody realized your gifting and put you in the perfect position, whether it be in ministry, whether it be at work, that's the grace of God. When you walked into the house and you said the perfect thing that your spouse needed to hear at that moment, that's the grace of God. We have the grace of God in us. We have access to the grace of of God, undeserved favor. Second Corinthians one verse twenty. Say, I have, I have the grace of God, grace of God because, I'm because I'm in Christ Jesus. I know I haven't made, made y'all repeat in a little bit, so I figured while I get the scripture, we we be confessing. 2 Corinthians 1, verse 20. And it reads, For all the promises, whoo, listen to this. For all, not some, not most, not depending on our situation, not depending on our circumstances, but for all the promises of God find their yes in Him. Who's Him? Christ Jesus. Because of Jesus, He was the final, He finalized every single promise God made for us. That is why it is through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. <laughs> Do you understand? Okay, so amen means it is so, right? All right? That means, that means what, what just happened, what I just said, that's it, final. Do you know the audacity it would be for us to tell God, God, you know, this is what I need and this is what I, and it is so. Let's think about it. I just, it literally, this just came, the Holy Spirit just dropped that on my heart right now. I never thought about it until right now. That we had the audacity to, at the end of all these petitions we just gave God, and it is so, God. But if we pray according to the will of God, we have the ability to say that. Because if we're not banking on our own words, we're not banking on our own will, because I just prayed your will back to you, God, I know it is so, and I can walk away with my head held high. That's why we can look at the God of all creation, the sovereign God, who can do whatever he wants, however he wants, whenever he wants, and say that something is so. Because we're saying what he's already doing, however he wants, whenever he wants, and when, well, wherever he wants. So when we pray God's word back to him, we can end it off with a, it is so. Whew. So we have everything that we pray according to God's will. Amen. We have 15%. Oh, we're going to make it. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to make it. 1 John 5, verse 14 and 15. Thank God for the iPhone low power mode. Tell y'all, yo, when they ask y'all, y'all better put it on. When they get that 20%, it'll save you. It'll save you. 
First John 5, verse 14 to 15. Y'all know I wouldn't be me if I didn't add some crazy humor in the midst. First John 5, verse 14 to 15. And it says, and this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. That's an assurance verse if there wasn't ever one. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Not only does he hear us, but that we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. That's how you can live in expectancy. When you pray God's word back to him, you can live in expectancy of what it is. It's not about praying for this outlandish craziness and then expecting for it to happen. No. But when you pray what is according to his will, you can walk away knowing it's going to come to pass. So we have everything. We have everything we need and we have everything we pray for according to his will. I believe, and I have other scriptures. I'll probably have somebody post them, but I, um, I think we, we, we've, we've beefed ourselves up. So now we know who we are in Christ, and we know that we have everything we need in Christ. So let me ask you this. If we are who we are in Christ, so meaning we have the, and then we have the power and the authority and the things that we need for everything on day to day, what is stopping us from doing what Christ has called us to do? There, there was a journey here. Because if we got the identity, right? All right, cool. So I know who I am. Then I have the resources. Now I could do the job. Because guess what? If you're at work, you don't think you're fit for the position. They could give you all the resources. You still won't be able to do it. And then you could be fit for the position. But if they don't give you the resources, listen, Miss Jennifer knows. If they don't give me the manpower, you're you finna see some delays. They know. You finna see. And Greg just left. He now in the, he in the place to give me the manpower. He better give me the manpower. Pray, pray for favor. Pray for that undeserved favor of grace with Greg when I call him tonight and ask him for more manpower. <laughs> oh, Dave too. Yeah, I forgot. Dave, Dave jump, jump, jump ship. He over there too. So Dave, Dave we gonna pray that God has uh, supernatural grace over me in Terminal A and I get enough manpower. Anyway, sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, uh, we gonna we gonna pray for provision. That's what it is. We ain't in lack. Hallelujah. I'm sorry. Y'all going got me going off topic. But what I'm saying is. You can be good at your job and not have the resources, and so you're not able to do it. But what I'm telling you is, in this, in this walk, in this, in this walk called life, in this walk called this faith, you are who you are, and you're capable. And you have the resources. So not doing the job is up to you. Mm. That hits me. As hard, as hard as it may be, it's hitting me. I'm telling you. Cause, cause it's not a question. Cause that's the thing. When my boss, if I, if I, he knows I have the capability. I'm trained in the area where I'm at, and I have ample manpower. When I get a delay or I get an issue, I better have an answer for it. Because if that, that's I chose to lose that day. So the same way, God has made us who we are. He didn't say, "Yo, you got to work to it," and so it's based off it. See, the, see, at my job, you know, we don't have that great of a training thing. And I know some of my coworkers made, made me listen to this. Thank God, I got a faithful coworker that listens to the sermons, and he's blessed by the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, but anyway, but he understands. He understands where I come from. But but my job doesn't really have that great of a training for our position, so we got to kind of figure it out on our own. But God is not like that. God has made us. He didn't even just train us. He's made us perfect. He's made us righteous. He's justified. He said, I'm going to wash off everything that will hold you back, and I'm going to put you in a position where you can receive now all the reasons, and I'm giving you the resources in order to do it. And so now I'm expecting you to do what I called you to do because you had no excuses. 
So when God says, why didn't you minister to that person that you saw on, on, on a corner? Why when that opportunity in ministry came up that you, you, sh you, you cowered away? Why when, you, when, you, when your family member was suffering, you didn't present them the gospel? You're saved. You know what it feels like. You know what it, you understand my gospel. You know what it is to walk with your sins cleansed. And then I gave you my word. So why, why wasn't the action done? Thank God. I'm not, now, again, that whole, he doesn't leave us there. He's forgiving. He's merciful. I'm not saying he's, he's over there, he's, pointing his, he's wagging his finger at you right now. But what I'm saying is, when we think about what we could do for God, it's not a matter of lack of ability or, or lack of identity and a lack of resources. It's a choice. I didn't even plan to go here in the sermon. And I'm telling you, it's cutting me deep. Because when we leave opportunities, because it, it, it's one thing out of job, it's one thing, you know, in, in some, of these, some of these temporal things in this world, but when it comes to eternity, people's eternity, not just your own, it doesn't, just doesn't affect you. When we don't walk in what, what, God, in, in what God has called us, people suffer. Those people we walk by every single day, and you know you have an eloquence in speaking, you have an ability to communicate, you have a heart for those who are, who are hungry, but then you choose because of, of, of being shy and because of your personality, ah, I don't know if I'm comfortable enough to, sp to speak when God is pressing you. Of course, we do everything in spirit-led. That doesn't mean you go speak to everybody. Sometimes God doesn't call us, but when we know we had that push and we choose not to do it, it's that, that's what it is. It's a choice. What I, what I want to do is not make you feel bad or make us feel bad, like I said, of what we could have done. But what I'm trying to tell you is from this day on, you know for a fact that you are who you are in Christ and you have what you have in Christ so you can do what you need to do in Christ. And you are empowered. Last set of verses is about how we... I'm sorry, I know Jazelle might be sleeping, sorry. I just clapped and probably woke him up. <laughs> but, but the last set of verses is that we can do everything he's called us to do. Romans 8, verse 37. Romans 8, verse 37 says, No, in all these things, we just we actually just read this. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We're not just conquerors, we're more than conquerors. That means when people try to come at us, and persecutors, we have more than, than enough ability to be able to stand our ground. We are more than conquerors. And then conquerors don't stand on the defense. Conquerors go on the offense. So meaning where those places that, that the, the enemy has, has taken reign, we are more than capable to be able to go in there and claim that place for the, for the, word, for, for the glory of God. Amen. Ephesians 2 verse 10. I'm just going to read it for the sake of time. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That means the works that God has called us to, he's already prepared them. It's our choice to walk in them. For we are his workmanship. <laughs> so this right here, actually, I didn't even realize this, but it speaks to everything we're talking about, that he's, he's worked on us. That's that identity piece. And, and, and the resources is coupled in there too. So he's worked on us. We are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. He's already prepared the road. 
And his presence is all over it. His power is all over it. His assistance is all over it. As a matter of fact, he's saying, just get there. I'll do the work. Next verse, Ephesians 4.16. From whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with, with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. I, listen, I, listen, I'm telling y'all the Holy Spirit is real. What's the theme? It's growing time at KLM. I didn't even have this in mind when I brought this verse, but literally just right now it just dropped on me. But you see what, what, what precedes the growing? From whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. When we're working the way that God has called us to, together, joined and held together, and when we're working properly, the body naturally grows. When a the, when, when the person's physical body doesn't grow, you know that something's not working properly in it. But when everything's working and doing what it needs to do, growth naturally happens. So he's equipped us to be able to grow as a body, as a body universally and as a body in KLM. Acts 17, 17, 28, you know, you can write that down. That's what Paul says, in him, uh, we live, we move, and we have our being. So we're able to act, we're able to move, we're able to, 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 to be because of Christ. Ephesians 6, verse 10, still saying in Ephesians uh, 6, verse 10. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Here's the thing, it's in his might. We're able to do it in his might. We're able to be strong in his might. Romans 7, verse 4. Like I said, just write them down. I'm going to be breezing through the rest of them to, to finish on time. Romans 7, verse 4. It says, Likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ, so that you may belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead, in order that we may bear fruit for God. We are able to bear fruit from God simply because God, Christ raised from the dead. Not because we put, all, we put a formula together, not because we've done so X amount of years in the ministry, not because we've, we've done so much charity, but simply because he's raised from the dead, which is a truth that won't change and is not dependent on ourselves, but simply because he raised from the dead, we are able to bear fruit. So if we don't bear fruit, it's a decision. And sometimes, and again, a little rabbit hole I'm going to go, but in another, in another part of scripture, I believe in, I forget where exactly it's at, but it says that God then prunes us in order for us to bear more fruit. I'm not a gardener, but I believe, at least in my little knowledge of it, that there's, you sometimes got to cut the plant in order for it to grow, grow even more. Am I, am, I, am I on the right track? So sometimes, because the reason why we're not bearing much fruit is because we're not allowing God to cut what he needs to cut. Some of these hard seasons that we're, we're, we're ditching out of. See, see God is not, God's job is not always to take us out of the season. It's about being with us in the season. Psalm 23 says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. He's not saying, he says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. He's not saying, you know, now that I walk in the valley of the shadow of death, you're going to take me out of it. That's not what he's saying. He says, you are with me. 
There are going to be times we need to walk through the valley of the shadow of death because in the valley of the shadow of death, there are some things that God is going to be doing in us that's going to prepare us for the next level. But until we allow him to prune us, we won't be able to bear much fruit. There's a few more verses. I'm going to let y'all go. Actually, two more verses. First Peter, verse, uh, uh, first Peter 2, verse 5. God is good. And all the time. <laughs> First Peter 2 verse 5. says, you yourselves like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. We are able to offer sacrifices to God with our lives that are pleasing to God. Because of who He's made us and what he's given us to perform those sacrifices. He's given us every tool. It's like he's given us that ram in the bush. He supplied everything. All he's saying is just make the sacrifice of your life. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, to give your lives as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable unto me. He's... I, <laughs> Paul is urging the brothers. He's not saying, I urge God that he will make... No, no, no. I urge you to make your life a living sacrifice. You need to do it. You need to go on the altar. It's our choice. But we have an ability for the truths of what we can do to be true if we understand who we are and what we have. Last verse. Colossians 3, verse 16 and 17. Let the word of Christ dwell in you rich, richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So we let the word of Christ dwell in us teaching and admonishing one another, and also teaching and admonishing ourselves. And I'll use this to end. Is that when we let the word dwell in us, we will understand who we are. We will understand what we have. And we will understand what we're able to do. A verse, I'm going to end it right here. A verse that I should have had on this is I don't know how I missed it, that we most of us know. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen. By your heads. Lord, we thank you. We honor you. Because your truths are our truth, period. We thank you, Lord, for giving us the, 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 the framework of who we are in you because of the price that your son paid for us on the cross. Thank you, Lord, for giving us the groundwork of what we have and what we receive because we're in right positioning in you, God. And then tell, thank you, Lord, for giving us the framework of what you call us to do based off of who we are and what we have in our hand. Lord, help us to always be mindful. I believe we're in the midst of a group of people who want to do great things for you. But Lord, let us always have in mind that we're always in position to be able to do it. And we're always have the resources to do what you have called us to do. 
And I believe, Lord, if you would get that in our minds, if we would chew on this every single day, if we would meditate on your words every single day, if we would confess the words, not just think about them, but to speak them over our lives, then we will position ourselves to be able to do what you've called us to do. There are ministries, Lord, that are still in the birthing stage because we don't think that we're worthy enough to give birth to them. Nor do we think that we have the resources in order to do it. We're looking at dollar signs, or we should be looking at you. There are businesses that are yet to be established because we're looking at who we are and we don't think that we're good enough for it. Or we're looking at our resources and we don't think that we have enough. But Lord, we know that today. If not before today, we know today. Based off of your word, not because of anything that Alan has said, because of your word alone, that we know who we are, that we are righteous, we are justified, and that what we have, that we have everything, all our needs supplied, and that you have made us for good works. And Lord, we are prepared and we are ready to do what you have called us to do. So Lord, that pressing on, our, on some of our hearts that has been just aching in our hearts, that thing that we know that we should be doing, that place that we know we should be, Lord, let today be the thing that lets us free. And tells the enemy, no longer will you bind me in my own self-pity. No longer will you bind me in my own low self-esteem. Because I am one who is called by God. I am one who is chosen by God. I am one who is made righteous by God. None of my sins in the past are holding on to me. I let go in the name of Jesus. I believe there are people that that is the confession they need to start with. No longer will our past hold us back from what you have called us to. For, Lord, you have cleaned us. You've taken where sin had left the crimson stain and made us as white as snow. You have sent your son to become sin, he who knew no sin, to become sin, so that way we may know the righteousness of God. You have reconciled us unto you. And then you have given us everything we may need in order for us to do what you have made us to do. So, Lord, I thank you, God, for the dreams that will come to reality, the passions that will now be pursued with faith in the one who has positioned us to be able to pursue them. So, Lord, we thank you. We praise you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 That concludes this week's message, and thank you very much for listening. For more information about Kingdom Living Ministries, please call us at 732-324-2200 or visit our website at kingdomlivingnj.org. Also, you can write to us by mail at P.O. Box 519, Rancocas, New Jersey, 08073. And lastly, if you would like to partner with this ministry through your prayers or financial support, Contact us via email at partners at kingdomlivingnj.org. Our prayer is that this message has encouraged you to live out the kingdom of God daily in your life by your obedience to His word. God bless you.